0: You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, we find ourselves in the book of Acts, and we've been in a series called Witness. And actually, everything I've just been talking about, really, it fits so well in the book of Acts because they were willing to go to places that were uh, uncomfortable. They were willing to go to places that were different uh, in order to reach more people with this message, this incredible good news that we have in Jesus. Uh, and, And so we see story after story after story as the people of God, they go out in order to bring this message. And we have found ourselves in the story of a guy named Paul and a guy named Barnabas, and they begin to partner together. Paul was a Christian killer. He was a murderer of believers. He was Jewish. He was a Pharisee. He wanted to stamp out what he believed was this cult called Christianity. He wanted to put an end to it. Uh, and he has an encounter with the living Jesus. A bright light hits him on his way to Damascus to go and persecute more believers, and Jesus speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Nathan preached about this. And he comes to faith, and he he gives up everything, all of his privilege, his status, uh, and and. and really his exclusive Jewish faith and he says, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And he gives his life to bring the message. And what we saw is last week, He, but in one city particularly, there's a really uh, bizarre happenings where they believe that he was actually um, him and Barnabas were Zeus and Hermes, and they tried to worship them and sacrifice bulls. Okay? What a moment, right? I was thinking, I was imagining if like a couple of you brought in bulls right now, and you're like, okay, Zeus, we're going to... This would be a scene to see, right? But here's what they find. They begin to bring the message of God and this good news to the Gentiles, those who do not believe in the Jewish faith. and, And things start to get confusing. Because the question that they're wondering is this, are these guys... Jews who are becoming Christians, or can they just become Christians without becoming Jews? This is kind of the problem that the church, which is primarily Jewish at this time, starts to contemplate and consider. And so they have a family chat. Okay, all all you guys have sat through a family chat before, right? Mom and dad, they sit you down at the dinner table on the couches and they have a family chat. It might be about not locking the door. It might be about closing the fridge properly. It might be about turning off the lights behind you or how, you know, you guys need to pick up the slack and walk the dog. Or, hey, you're not doing your chores and they have you have family chats. You know what I mean? These conversations where you're talking about the rules of what it means to be your family. And this is what the church is doing today. They're having a family chat. They're considering what are the rules of this new family called the church? What, what rules do we need to obey and abide by? And do these new, weird, awkward cousins from out of town need to follow the family rules? Or do they get to just bypass all of that and totally, you know, uh, live life in freedom? This is the question they're wondering. And like, you know, the jealous cousin, they're like, wait a second. Okay, they're going to be here for the summer? They have, to, they have to do everything I do, okay? Same bedtime. They don't get special privileges. They to, you know, this is the conversation they're having. And debating about. And so, if you're willing and able, I've given you a lot of context. We're going to read Acts chapter 15, and we get a little bit of a window into an awkward family chat. It's very awkward, it's talking about weird things, and uh, you'll see in a minute. So, if you're willing, if you're able, I believe these words are so important. Stand to your feet. We're going to read God's word together. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Says this while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, Unless you are circumcised, told you it was going to get weird, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas, they disagreed with them, they argued vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, okay, to the the big city, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in uh, someone say this for me. Phoenicia, okay. Uh, I'm not Italian, clearly. And Samaria, okay, to visit the believers. They told them much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. They were coming to faith. But when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, hey, listen, guys, these Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts. And he has confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he has cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors could bear? We believe we are all saved in the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly. As Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And when they had finished, James stood up. He's the brother of Jesus. He said, brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time that God first visited the Gentiles to take them from, uh, to take from them a people for Himself, and this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted, as it's written: "After I will return and restore the fallen house of David, I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles and all those I have called to be Mine." The Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. And so this is my judgment, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating meat-strangled animals, and from consuming blood. It's a little weird. We'll talk about that. Uh, For these laws of Moses have been preached in every Jewish synagogue, in every city, and uh, on Sabbath for many generations. God, thank you for this word. We thank you for today. We pray that you would speak to us through this awkward family chat. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so what is happening? What's happening here, folks? Well, as I explained, initially only the Jews were coming to faith. But eventually, after Peter's vision, Acts 11, everything starts to shift. And people who are not Jews, known as Gentiles, began to enter the family of God. And these family members are weird. They looked weird. They acted weird. They had different traditions, customs, foods, and ways of connecting with God. And so some within the church sent messages to Antioch to try and get these weird cousins in line. Okay, listen. You can join the family, but you need to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses, okay? Okay? (laughs) <laughs> this is a, like a big thing to ask, all right, of these new believers. And, uh, and you know, they, there's this big argument that takes place between Paul and Barnabas and these these guys, these teachers who have come to share these words, and they're trying to figure it out. So what do they do? They send Paul and Barnabas and some of the church members to Jerusalem, okay? This is Ottawa. This is the epicenter of the known universe in their mind, okay? This is where it all happened, where the temple was, where all the bigwigs were. And they they were going to go to the place where it all took place to talk to the leaders and the elders there, Peter, James, John, and say, listen, we had some guys come and tell us this. Are, are you going to make us do it? Please. Please don't, right? Um, and uh, they <laughs> They have this conversation. And so, and what we see happen is this. In the middle of this family convo, some converts who were Pharisees, these were the most religious of religious leaders in all of Jerusalem, stand up and they say, listen. Those guys who came to you in Antioch, they've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely, you need to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. They have a big discussion, big argument about this, and and there's there's some uncertainty. Let me explain to you why this is important to the Jews and the person you knew this was their reality. Circumcision was a sign that you belonged to the Jewish people, but it was also a sign that you were committed to following the laws of Moses. The laws of Moses were six hundred and thirteen commandments. It started with the ten. You all know them. Ten commandments. You probably grew up hearing about them. Uh, and uh, and and then in addition to that, six hundred and three others. Some of these laws, they were moral laws. They were just do's and don'ts. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't you know? Commit adultery take a day off, there was all these kind of rules that they were following, right? But then there was also ceremonial rules that they were following. These were things to keep themselves clean and to be set apart. There's also civil laws, right? These were laws that were specific to a region, about how they were to operate in that region, how they were to set themselves apart from the world around them. So there's all these various laws, and just consider for a moment, your entire life, you have lived in light of these, they, they've They've been as clear of a law as "Do not speed," okay for us, or "Don't run a stop sign. It was just obvious. this is how we live, right uh, and And so suddenly. Jesus shows up and you think, wow, he's amazing. You believe he's God. You've come to faith. But you've, in your entire life, you've been following these family rules. Some of you who are like in your 20s right now, and there's quite a few of you here, are kind of experiencing this tension right now. You've moved out of the house, okay? You're, you've maybe entered into a new family. It might be your dorm room. might be some new roommates. And your roommates, they just, they won't do the dishes after dinner, right? Uh, Or you look in their room, and it's absolutely just a mess. They don't make their bed, right? Or like you have that really weird roommate doesn't take off their shoes when they walk around the house, and you're like, we always take off our shoes. This is what we do. You're used to a certain set of family rules, and all of a sudden, these weird people enter your life who do things totally differently than you, and you're in is this you need to change okay you need to change we do the dishes after dinner this is what we do we take off our shoes in the house you have to make your bed in the morning and they're like sorry what <laughs> that is not the way that i was brought up this is the tension they're experiencing they because all of their lives they have followed these rules and now suddenly it feels like they're no longer valid and you're confused and you're unsure. And I want you to, to know this isn't just some ancient thing, like weird ancient people who used to follow these rules. If you go to Israel today, they're still following them, okay? When I was there a couple months ago, I didn't get to have bacon for like two weeks. Not even turkey bacon. I asked for turkey bacon. They were like, anything with the word bacon in it? Nope, you're not allowed, right? In, in, seriously, if you go to McDonald's in Israel, they have one McDonald's that has dairy products, and then you have to go to the other side of the mall to go to the other one as meat. Because you cannot mix, you know, a milkshake with a burger. That's just not allowed. I actually, you know, I didn't have, uh, I either exclusively had dairy at a meal or exclusively, like, you know, without dairy. They just, they follow it adamantly. Sabbath law, okay? I was there on three Sabbaths, which is Friday at sundown. Straight up, okay? The rabbis at sundown, they blow a shofar through some mega speaker through all of Jerusalem. It's like, for like five minutes, okay, to tell you Sabbath. And the rabbis start walking around knocking on business doors. And if they're still working, they're like, Shabbat, Shabbat, hey, stop working, right? To this day, to this day, they are adamantly following these rules, specifically the Orthodox Jews and they're impressing them now upon the entirety of the rest of the country. Like, not even a corner store was open on Sabbath. I couldn't get on a bus. They have an automated train. That is not allowed to run on Sabbath. I get into the elevator. You can't select the floor you want to go on, okay? Like, it's like the lights, you're not allowed to turn on a light switch. It's like, it's just, it's, it's full on, folks. It's full on. I tell you all of this to help you understand how absolutely mind-boggling it would be for them. That suddenly, these group of people join the family, but they don't have to follow the family rules. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. I'm just looking at the timer here. Wow, okay. Um, (laughs) So let me get into it. Here's the big idea is that, friends, the questions they were asking themselves are these, and we can just put them on the screen. Do I need to become a Jew first to become a Christian? Does God still require us to fulfill the law of Moses? How am I made right with God? It wasn't just like these petty rules they were trying to follow, but they're trying to wrap their heads around these big questions, these big theological questions. And here was the result. is that something had shifted. Something had changed. Let's put up what Peter said. Peter says this. He says, when they arrived in Jerusalem, says Peter stood up. He says, brothers, you all know that God chose me out from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. And it continues. God knows people's hearts. He has confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he has cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke? They would often call the law a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors could bear. Essentially, he's saying, friends, You know how exhausting the law of Moses is, all right? Let's not do this to them, right? (laughs) This is what he says. And he says, more than that, God has confirmed he's accepted them. So here's the big idea. Because of Jesus, the law is fulfilled. Because of Jesus, the law is fulfilled. Let me explain what I mean by this. Jesus lived perfectly, He died sacrificially so that you and me and all of us who were to come, including these these new Gentile brothers and sisters, do not have to fulfill the law any longer to be saved. This was radical. I remember Eve talking about this a number of weeks ago when the first Gentiles came to faith. A radically, radically new thing for them. And this is good news because formally... The law condemned us. But because of Jesus, the law is fulfilled and it no longer condemns us. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Here's what he says. He says, there is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh right? This is what he said. And actually, sorry, I was doing a different translation. But he said, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in the body like our bodies, we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So here's the incredibly good news. Because this means that religion no longer has to rule and reign over us in the way that it did in the former generations. You see, there was an end to a covenant, an end to a covenant that God made with people. It was satisfied, it was fulfilled. N.T. Wright puts it this way, he says, the Torah, which is all the the first five books, which which also has the laws of Moses, says it was given to us for a specific period of time and is then set aside... Not because it was a bad thing now happily abolished, but because it was a good thing whose purpose has now been accomplished. You see, because of Jesus, the law is fulfilled. And this was a big change in God-man relations. The old covenant, the contract, is fulfilled. The purpose for which it was created has passed. And we no longer need to fulfill the law or live in light of the law in order to be saved. In Galatians, Paul expands upon this idea. What does he say in 2.16? Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one, no one, no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Period. Done. This is the good news. God, and it's not that God's getting lazy and he's not checking ID at the door anymore, okay? You know? It's not like God's like the parent who after five kids is just like, yeah, whatever. Just do whatever you want, okay? Like, it's okay. I Yeah, the, you know the youngest child just gets away with everything, right? This isn't what God is like, okay? <laughs> My younger brother, he just gets away with everything, right? He's still just living in the land of milk and honey, You know, just like getting free meals and cheap rent. You know, like it's just like this isn't what's happening with God, okay? It's satisfied. It was fulfilled in Jesus. He did what we could not do because of the weakness of our sinful flesh. And man, is this good news? Is this good news that you and me do not have to follow the law in order to be saved? We get to live the law for different reasons. I'll talk about that in a moment. But we no longer have to do these things in order for to be made right with God. To be made right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Because even Peter was saying, man, we couldn't even bear the yoke of this law. In fact, the law, its purpose was to condemn us, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Why would God create something to condemn us? But the purpose of it was this, and this is why its, it's purpose has being fulfilled. It revealed that human beings in their own effort, in their own steam, cannot work their way to God. It revealed that human beings in their own efforts cannot cleanse themselves. It proved that human beings through self-improvement or self-help or even the best counseling cannot earn God's favor. And this is something we all need to hear. Because we as human beings have this propensity towards religion. We love it. Every religion that we can come up with and create and think about, all the different ideas that we have has a central idea. The central idea is this. I need to earn it. I need to deserve it. And if I'm lucky, I'll make it. And Jesus comes to the scene. And this is why it's good news. He says, guys, oh, You're all sinners. You all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's what Paul, the way Paul described it. But guess what? I'll do it for you. I will come among you. I will live in I I will live among you, but I'll show you how to live. And I'll show you what God is like. And I'll love my neighbor. And I'll perfectly fulfill the law. In order that when you put your faith and you trust in me, you can be hidden in me. You can stand behind me. My account is your account. Everything that I did, guess what? It's on your resume. You will be made right with God because of me. I will do what you could not do because I am in very nature God who has come among you. Whew. Thank you, Jesus, right? Thank you, Jesus. And I'm sure it's funny, a couple times in here it said all the believers celebrated after hearing this. And if you, if you were dude and you heard that, you would celebrate too, right? Thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> too far, Cam, too far. Okay. So here's the question. Why do we keep, even as Christians, going back to the law if this is the good news? Why do we keep turning to legalism? Why do we keep turning back to works? Why do we keep believing the lie that it's up to me to make myself right with God? And we start adding rules on top of rules on top of rules. And Christianity doesn't feel like freedom. It feels like slavery. It feels like a burden. It feels like an incredible weight on my shoulders. Oh my goodness, I have to wake up every day. I need to read my Bible. I need to have a prayer time. I need to get up. I need to be happy even when I'm not happy, right? I need to to be really loving to my neighbors. Uh, I need to do my nine to five with a smile and as if I'm doing it for God. And then I have to come home, right? And then I have to, and, and we just, we, we keep adding to it. Oh, by the way, they you have to do some silence and solitude and some journaling. and And we just start adding all of these rules, okay? on top of rules, on top of rules. And there's a whole bunch of groupies who are in the rules club right now. Uh, and, and, you know, they're following certain leaders who, who are, are starting to add things to what it means to be a Christian. And this is what a lot of cults and a lot of uh, different, you know, even denominations, they start to fall into this trap once again. That it's about rules. No, it's not, friends. It's not. The good news of Jesus is this. You don't have to follow the rules, you get to. Weird distinction, right? You don't have to follow the rules to be saved. You actually get to. And the purpose of, of, of actually living a moral life and loving your neighbor and loving God is, is this word, it's love. It's love. See, because of Jesus, we get to love. Because of Jesus, we get to love. And here's what I mean by that. And it kind of makes sense of the weird stuff that the church says to the Gentiles. They say to him, uh, he's made no distinction between us and them. And then later on, he talks about this reality. He says, okay, so guys, it's my judgment that you don't have to, you know, follow the law of Moses or get circumcised, but... You need to abstain from eating food offered to idols, sexual immorality, eating meat, strangled animals, and consuming blood. That sounds like law to me again, right? (laughs) Like what? You just said we didn't have to do it. Now you're saying we have to do it? But here's why they told them to do these things. And this is the key in the passage. It says, for these laws of Moses have been preached in every Jewish synagogue, in every city, on every Sabbath, for many generations. So here's what he's saying. Guys, okay, Gentiles, you're part of the family. You don't got to do these things anymore. You don't have to follow the rules. But man, can you just help us out? Because this is really weird. So when you guys start bringing food sacrifice to idols, to like the dinner party, it's a little weird, okay? And then when we see some blood in the meat, we shudder, right? And then, you know, and, and, and like some of your, you know, practices, they're really, uh, and, and because of Jesus, we get to love. Jesus, in fact, took all of the law, and he summarized it in these words. He said this in Matthew 22. He said, friends, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And secondly, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all of the law is summarized in these words. We get to love. So when we we live morally, or in light of God's word, both old and Testament and new, the moral laws. We it's our it's a way of worship. It's a way of loving God and saying, Thank you, God. I believe that you're good. I believe you have the best in mind for me. And so I will love you by following your lead. And guess what else? I will love my neighbor. And, and, and so and, and so I'm gonna sacrifice on behalf of my neighbor. I'm gonna I'm gonna give up my rights for behalf of my neighbor. Here's how this tangibly kind of plays itself out because like, I think about it. Do you remember at the like, beginning of the pandemic when we first launched Rail City? And it wasn't mandated by the government for us to wear masks, okay? But I said to our team, I said, listen, there's a lot of people in the city right now for all sorts of reasons who, who would feel way more comfortable if we would wear a mask. And so I said, hey, it's not mandated yet, but we're all going to wear masks, some of you grumbled, oh, right? Like the whole thing, but it was—it was a way of showing love. The law didn't dictate that we must do it, but we did it to love our neighbor. Another way this plays out: if I if I meet up with someone who doesn't drink, or I meet up with someone who passed when it comes to drinking, uh, and they and so therefore they're abstaining, I don't invite them to the breweries, right? To have a drink. This is the way I love. I in Christ can freely have a beer, but I don't. In love. I I can think of of other examples. You know, it's when you you go on a missions trip and you go to a certain region and everyone there wears pants and a button-up shirt and a tie. I don't show up in flip-flops and shorts. I'm not mandated to do that by any means, but I put on the tie, I put on the shirt, put on the pants, I tuck in the shirt. Get that, right? Like, what? <laughs> because of love. Because of love. You see, we get to ask ourselves this question now, what does love require of me? What does love, loving God, and loving my neighbor require of me? And I no longer have to do these things in order to be saved, but I get to. I get to love. I get to love God, and I get to love others through the way that I live. And when I fall short, I'm not out of the club. I'm still accepted. I'm still included. I'm still loved. I'm still known. There is nothing I can do that will make God love me less. And there's nothing I can do that will make God love me more. He just loves me. This is the freedom that we now get to live in as the church. We get to love. We get to love, friends. And this is incredibly good news. This is the gospel. So if you've come from another religion and you're tired, welcome, okay? You've come from a denomination. You're just exhausted, right, just from doing, like, Bible (laughs) weightlifting, okay? You get to read your Bible. You get to. You get to pray. You get to take a day off. This is good news. And listen, if you're Jewish... You can keep eating kosher. Feel free, right? <laughs> you get to, but you don't have to. You don't have to, friends. And this is the gospel. And so we conclude, as we always do, with communion. And this, this one text stood out to me in all of the texts, 35 verses. He said this, and this was in Peter's word, because of Jesus, your heart is clean. Says, brothers, we all know that God chose me among the nations. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Spirit, and He made no distinction between us and them, for He cleansed their hearts through faith. Today, as we come to the table, we we have an opportunity for our hearts to be cleansed, not through works, but through faith. And if you're someone in this room who is just striving and sweating and exhausted from religion, this morning is an opportunity as you come to the table, you remember that Jesus' body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. That he forgives you. That he has grace for you. That he has incredible mercy. And for you to take a load off. As you come to the table, lay your burdens at his feet. And as you take the bread and you take the juice, would you receive the freedom... That He has given you, the grace that He's extended to you, the love that He has for you, and just live in light of that. And for those of us this week who have stumbled and we've messed up and we failed to love God and to love others through our actions, we equally get to come to the table today to receive mercy and find grace in our time of need, to recognize that we are forgiven in Jesus. This is the beauty of this moment, and this is why we do it every week. You know why? Because I mess up every week. I start to slip into legalism again. I start to stumble again. And as I come to the table again, I am reminded and remember that we, because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Ezekiel 36 says it this way, and I'll summarize it. He says, for I will gather you up from the nations and bring you home again, and then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols, and I will give you a new heart. This is what God promised to do, and this is what he did through Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to pray, and then following that, do something a little bit different. There's a song called Clean. I'm going to play that song as a reflection. Feel free to sing it if you want to. But during that song, we'll come forward for communion. And then following that, we're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, and so uh, let's, uh, and then and we'll worship a little bit more together. So let's pray. The ushers can come forward with communion. God, thank you for this morning. And thank you for my friends. I'm grateful for this good news. That because of Jesus, the law is fulfilled. and Because of Jesus, I get to love. And because of Jesus, my heart is clean. And that is what we remember through communion. And so as we come to the table today, some of us will be laying our burdens of legalism at your feet and others our sin and our brokenness. But to each of us, you say welcome. You are loved. Receive my grace. Thank you for that reality, God, that good news. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.